0: Don't turn away from what you feel inside You should try to forget about your foolish mind Don't turn away before the night is over Don't turn away
1: Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith, Edinburgh. This podcast features edited highlights from our Sunday service held on May the 8th, 2022. To find out how to join us and for more general information, please go to www.stjamesleith.org.uk.
2: So welcome to you all uh, in the building and also a warm welcome to those uh, at home uh, to our Easter Sunday. um, uh, Looking at the gospel in chairs, all will be revealed later, seems an odd, uh, odd theme to have, uh, but I'll explain, explain that later. So we're gonna start our service in the usual way of um, Suzanne will ring the singing bowl and invite one of the children to come up and light the candle and also invite those at home also, if you have a candle ready to light a candle at home to signify Christ's presence here in church and also in all the churches uh, in people's home as well. With nature in its power and beauty, with rain and wind and sunshine, with the ancient rocks and the budding flower, we, we gather, gather, and gather and we praise, praise God. God with believers and seekers the whole worldwide, with people in every land and speakers of every language, we gather in praise, praise the Lord the Lord. of God. angels and saints in heaven and with all who have worshiped in this place, we gather in praise of God. And with Jesus who promised his presence and the spirit who showers her blessings. We gather, we gather in praise of God. Here, let heaven and earth embrace. Here, may God's, may God's people, people find, find hope. home. Amen. Amen. Please stand. <laughs> Silent. So if you remain standing for our confession. Trusting in God's forgiveness, let us in silence confess our failings and acknowledge our part in the pain of the world. We say together, Come home to ourselves and to to each each other. May all that is unfree in us. us be released and, and may we blossom awesome into a future graceful love. Amen. And may stand Glory just pray for their children and young people as they go outside. Loving God, we ask that your spirit would be with them and with Joe, and we ask that they would, the children especially, would have a sense of how special mm-hmm. they are to you and to us, and we ask for your blessing upon them.
3: Amen. Uh, The first reading comes from Acts chapter 9. Now, in Joppa, that's Joppa over there, not Joppa here. In Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. When they'd washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, who heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him with a request, please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa and many believed in the Lord meanwhile he stayed in joppa for for some time with a certain simon a tanner this is the word of god, Thanks. Thanks be to god.
0: listen now for the ghost
1: morning's Gospel reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, beginning at verse 22. Glory to Christ our Saviour. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, Tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. This is the gospel, good news for all. Praise to you, O Christ.
2: Let us pray. Loving God, help us to increasingly... Have a true image of you. Help us lay down images of you made in our image, created in our minds. So help us understand the breadth and depth and length of your love. Amen. So this morning, um, The idea of this really came to me Um, last week, Richard got up in the uh, notices and said the open room session was going to be, uh, is God good? And I'm thinking about how important it is that our understanding of God is, because it will, in many ways, not only um, show us how we feel about God, but also it will determine how we feel about ourselves and also how we feel about others and how we live our Christian lives and last week I, talk about, I talked about the, the cross dealing with Peter's shame as well as Peter's guilt and that really only love can do that and so that our view of God I think is dependent on our understanding of atonement which is really a fancy religious word uh, for the action of making amends uh, for a wrong or injury. But in Christian theology, it's the the idea of the reconciliation of God and humanity, of God and us through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. So I'm going to try, could all go pear-shaped, but I'm gonna give it a go. I know you're a very forgiving lot, so uh, uh, let's give it a go two alternative versions um, of the atonement or the gospel using chairs um, it's not an idea I, c- I came up with it originally was from an orthodox priest called anthony carbo and has since i think on youtube uh, this um, american pastor called steve robinson has done it and the first version is one that's dominated in the Western Church. Uh, Don't know, back in the day, just a bit of history, the Western and Eastern Church split um, and have sort of developed Christianity uh, along slightly different lines. And the first one, particularly the Reformation came, which was when the Protestant uh, uh, left the Catholic Church uh, and and is uh, quite strongly there. The second version is one that the Orthodox Church hold true to uh, and is an older one. So I'm going to uh, move this and uh, do the chair thing up on the stage. And I have a Do you want a cushion? Have you got a cushion? Someone to hold on to that. So the first uh, one is the is based on what's called a substitutionary atonement. And I want you to have the an image of a courtroom. That's really a courtroom, a legal image. And God as judge. So I have two chairs. One is a, a, an old fashioned pew chair, but uh, representing God. Good solid uh, chair there. And the second one, a little bit scruffier, representing us and representing humanity. And I'm going to uh, sort of tell the story with a little bit of help from uh, someone to turn uh, the pages. So. In the first one, you have, in the beginning, God created humanity, God created man and woman in his image to reflect his glory and to have fellowship with. So, as you know, in the story, uh, in the garden, we have that humanity, Adam and Eve, ate the apple and they sinned. So they turned away from God. And then God, who is holy and righteous, could not look upon sin and turns away from humanity. And no matter what humanity does, no matter how hard we try, no matter how righteous we are, we have sinned. And God still cannot look upon our righteousness and holiness because we are sinful, on some level, and no amount of good works can sort this. So we're in a constant separation from God. But God, in God's love and mercy for humanity, sends his only Son in our stead. And he lives as if we were intended to live in full relationship with the Father, always doing his will, so that so much so that God the Father leads Jesus uh, to death. Why does uh, God do this? And he does the unthinkable because he puts all our sins on to Jesus. And God who cannot look upon sin actually turns away from Jesus. On the cross, if you remember, Jesus says, God, why have you forsaken me? Because Jesus experiences the full wrath of God. But as sinners, if we believe that God has done this and Jesus has borne the wrath of God and our sins, we are protected from God's wrath. In other words, God can now look at us because we are sinless because Jesus has our sin. Uh, Martin Luther King, I think, uh, not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther described it, uh, I think, as, um, uh, let's have a look, snow-covered dung, but Jesus has somehow made us all right. Um, R.C. R. Spool, who's a famous uh, Protestant uh, preacher, uh, described it as an abs- asbestos suit that Jesus gives us a suit in which protects us against the wrath of God. Now, if we don't believe, then we remain in our sin and we become alienated uh, from God and the sinner is judged guilty and condemned for eternity and effectively is condemned. Now... How many people would have heard that gospel of atonement? Richard, we've got a few. It's quite, it's a very strong um, uh, gospel that I think uh, is there. And even if you kind of move away from it, it's still, it's hard to fully kind of um, uh, change it. So I'm now going to look at a restorative uh, model, an older version, which uh, as I said, the Eastern, uh, Orthodox Church have um, probably based, if you look at the psalm that we read it's probably based more on uh, the psalm and in this restorative model if you have the idea of instead of a courtroom a, uh, of a, care, a place of care, of a hospital um, and as God more as a physician or healer And as I said, uh, it's it's a restorative uh, model. And so it really, it starts in a very, very similar way. In the beginning, God created humanity in God's own image to reflect his glory and to have fellowship with us. But in the garden, the man and the woman turned away from God. And as a result, humanity is corrupted uh, subject to futility, alienation, uh, the despair of loneliness, the loss of innocence uh, and illness and death. So in order to stop humanity being subject to this futility and death, and because of God's love and compassion uh, for humanity, God takes the very nature of humanity and uh, comes to heal that nature to heal us and through the Bible we have h- numerous stories and I'll just uh, go th- uh, through some of the stories. So one you have the story of the woman at the well who uh, I think has five husbands and turns away from God and is feeling or in certainly <coughs> feeling alienated uh, to God and she's th- she's after, even after five husbands, she can't find the love that she desperately needs. So what does God say to her? God comes and meets her and says, I am the water of life and I will love you. If you drink of my water, you will never thirst. Then we have Zacchaeus, a man searching for status, who uh, through greed and ambition, Uh, takes the job as a tax collector, colluding with the Roman system, which oppresses his own uh, people. And as a result, he becomes alienated, set adrift and friendless. So what does Jesus do? Jesus says, let me come and eat with you. Let me have fellowship with you. And again, God loves this man. And Zacchaeus is so overwhelmed that Zacchaeus starts to give uh, some of his money uh, to the poor or most of his wealth back to the poor. And Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. Then we have the woman who's caught uh, in adultery, who's publicly been shamed and potentially stoned to death. And she is brought into the presence of God. So what does God do? God comes and uh, draws, I think kneels down, draws in the sand and says to the woman to avoid a battle, says, let those who have no sin throw the first stone. And then says to the woman, go and sin no more. Last week I talked about Peter in his shame denying Christ three times, his friend and his teacher. So what does God do? God comes to Peter and when he meets Peter after the resurrection, doesn't say, why did you deny me? But actually has fellowship and asks Peter, do you love me three times? And Peter says, yes, I do. And begins to heal Peter's guilt and also shame. Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son who goes away, turns away from the father, uh, lives a life uh, full of destruction and when God hears that the son is coming home, God runs, runs to the son, runs to meet the son and forgives the son and has um, a huge banquet. And, of course, on the cross, when humanity is driven by fear and pride and greed, set on maintaining systems of power, enforced by violence and oppression, it takes, uh, they take God, they put him on a cross, they mock him, they spit on him, they torture him, and they shame him. So, again, they've turned away from God. And what does God do? God says, comes to them and loves them and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And on the cross, uh, we have this idea that love is greater than the grave. Love is greater than death. And it says uh, in the Eastern tradition, even though you make your bed in Sheol, God will join humanity. So even in death, in this Eastern religion, we have this idea of God actually joining us in death and being with us. So God, in this one, then says, I am the resurrection the life. And is raised from the dead gives us life and it is the, really the idea that God, there's nowhere that God's love cannot be because God is love. So you can see the differences between those two models and I want to sort of uh, just elucidate, uh, sort of explain some of those. So from the the demonstration you can see from the second one god never ever turns god's back on us god is always running towards us is always coming towards us in love and if you think about it when when does jesus ever turn his back on sinners that come to him when does he say oh stop there I can't abide, can't look on sin, I'm going to have to turn away. Instead, he always goes towards the sinner and loves them. So God's love is constant and we <clears throat> are given the freedom to turn towards it and receive healing or, and salvation or maybe to turn away. Secondly, in that second version, God the Father is not pitted against Christ. It doesn't say in the Bible, God was in Christ, reconciling himself to the world. Uh, it actually says that the world needs to be reconciled to God. And I'd also say the first, that substitutionary model, that courtroom model, is based on Fear with the metaphor of the courtroom where you'll be judged and potentially punished. Whereas the restorative model is based on love with the metaphor of the hospital where our sins and sickness are potentially healed. But for me, the strongest argument for the second restorative model is that the full revelation of the nature of God is in Jesus. Jesus uh, did not live on earth and die on the cross to change the father's mind, placate the father or satisfy the father, but actually to reveal what God was like, reveal uh, the nature of God, both father and mother. So God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. Uh, And there's never been a time when God was not like Jesus. And there might be times in the, in the Old Testament where we think, you know, God's not like that, but that was a people trying to understand what God was like. And Jesus is the full revelation of God. So Christ is the norm, the criteria, the purpose, and the meaning of the book, the Bible. The Bible points to Christ. Christ does not point to the Bible. The Gospel of John does not say God so loved the world that he gave us a book. The Revelation of John also does not say we were saved by the ink of the Lamb, but by the blood of the Lamb. And for hundreds and thousands of years, Christians have asked the question, what would Jesus do, rather than what the Bible would say? So... I've said that and most of you I think would probably understand the restorative model but as I said that substitutionary model can get quite deep, it can go quite deep Um, and I hope by looking at the chairs you can just see the idea in your mind that God never ever turns God's back on us but is always coming towards us in love um, to heal and reconcile reconcile us to him. So, if we go back to the psalm, that beautiful psalm that we read, uh, that we sung today. God is my shepherd, I'll not want. God makes me lie in pastures green. God leads me the quiet waters by. My soul, God does restore again and me to walk does make within the paths of righteousness for his own sake. My soul he does restore again. So let's just end with a short prayer. Loving God, open ourselves to your restorative love. Whatever place we feel at this morning, however we've come to this building this morning, however we feel at home, may we, by your Spirit, know the fullness of that love to heal us in body, in mind, and in spirit and continue to work in us a true image of yourself so that we understand how much we are cherished and loved. And by so doing, we can increasingly understand how cherished and loved those who we come into contact with. Amen.
4: Dear Lord, our shepherd, our guide, our soul restorer, our comforter, our dwelling place, by our side, our stillness. As we gather to pray together, let's think back and thank you for times or moments when you have led us, stilled us, restored us and shown us what green pastures are in our daily lives. Thank you, Lord, that you are beside us, our stillness. Thank you for this wonderful world and the world that um, you created, um, for the birds, the season, the spring, the pastures that um, we maybe see glimpses of in our daily lives or have time to spend longer in. Thank you, Lord, for the world that you are with us in. And as we know and try and remember um, that you are our restorer by our side and our stillness, it sometimes feels so hard to think about the what's going on in the world and um, everything that's agog and um, at odds with itself. But we want to lift up to you, Lord, Um, A number of different um, people and groups so firstly young people and I think particularly at this time Lord we ask for you to open up the sort of sense of being still and being beside um, all the young people who are coming out of the transition of these last two years who are going through times possibly of ending of a year moving on to a different year moving on in different parts of their lives. In their new growth, Lord, in this season, in their ongoing growth, may they know, and particularly those in our community here at St. James, may they know your comfort, your stillness, and know that you are by their side. We pray, Lord, for those who are further on in their lives and um, have different pastures and different experiences, Thank you so much for wisdom, for companionship, for humour, for um, laughter and all that connects our community together and those we come across in our daily lives. We pray for the pastures and um, for our many, many loved elders um, that we that they may know that you are by their side, their stillness. And we think, Lord, about health and all those who are well those who are not well and all sorts of degrees in between lord thank you that your comfort for us is that we know that you're by our side and help us to be by the side of others who who may need comfort who may need um, assistance who may just need companionship and we pray for all those who are still working so hard in the health sector with many, many issues of COVID still around, with all sorts of other things in terms of mental health. And Father God, we just pray for, um, for stamina, for kindness, for compassion in work contexts and in the, the daily lives of those who are caring and helping others with their physical and mental health. And Lord, when we think about being you and being with you, and still pastures, it's really we we sort of are so fortunate to have some stability. And we just want to lift up all those people who are currently displaced, who are moving, who are out of their normal pastures. They're walking in unfamiliar places. They're detached from those they love. They're not sure where they're going. We particularly pray, Lord, Lord, for those believers amongst the refugees, that they will really strongly know your sense of comfort today, that you are by their side, their stillness. And we pray for all those organisations who are doing so much just to help infrastructure, um, to think about aiding all that means in terms of people finding different places to be still and to find dwelling places in different different parts of the world in societies. And we pray for our community here, for um, city, for the nation as we welcome and be aware of those who are new, who are coming, who are arriving, who are going. Um, May we be truly welcoming and truly thoughtful about how we make space and make time for those around us who we, who we don't know. And in this week of elections, we pray, Lord, for all those people who are starting new journeys in different positions um, of authority and power, of being able to work for communities and in, in cities and in rural areas. We pray for those that there'll be good foundation set, um, that, the, that the mark of those workings together will very much be within your sense of creation, of living, of values in the world that matter. So finally, Lord, we just want to thank you so much for being with us. And as we think about the week ahead, um, wherever we are in ourselves and in different environments, um, places we live, we work, we come across with our, people in our daily lives. Thank you, Lord, that you are our shepherd, our guide, our soul restorer, our comforter, our dwelling place, that you are by our side and that you are our stillness. Amen.